This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. Welcome, everybody, to this very important episode. It's a difficult episode, maybe difficult to listen to. I will say now, trigger warning, we are going to talk about sexual abuse prevention, specifically for kids. So some people might find this topic difficult to hear. But if you have young children, which many of you do, it is a really important episode to listen to. And honestly, like I was telling Kimberly in this episode, I feel like I just get into my routine and then I forget to really talk to Milo about topics like this. To be honest, I'm not even sure how to do it, which is where Kimberly comes in. You know, we just do our day in and day out stuff. And all of a sudden, he's almost four years old and I haven't done anything to teach him about like body autonomy and, you know, not keeping secrets and things to look out for. So these are all things that we get into. And because I need to do this with my own child, I'm probably going to ask Kimberly in this episode a lot of the things that you guys would want to ask her because I am in the same situation as maybe many of you are. So today I'm talking with Kimberly King. She is an award-winning author. I actually just ordered her book that she wrote. It's a children's book, but it goes over all these topics and it just opens up a conversation or a dialogue between you and your child about these topics that are so important when it comes to sexual abuse prevention. So as I said, Kimberly King is an award-winning author, teacher, and authority on the subject of sexual abuse prevention. She believes it is imperative we start talking about sexual education, sexual abuse prevention, and consent more seriously. It is the most important tool for prevention we have. Helping kids set healthy boundaries for their private parts can be a daunting and awkward task for parents, counselors, and educators. So Kimberly helps parents and kids learn how to proactively communicate on difficult topics with her unique kid-to-kid guides. Kimberly holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Early Childhood Development and Family Studies. She also has a Master's degree in Early Childhood Education, and she is a Certified Early Childhood Education Teacher, a Certified Sexual Abuse Prevention Facilitator. Good Lord, it's hard to say this stuff. And she is a Sexual Assault Crisis Counselor. Again, this is a difficult topic, but it is very important, so I hope you guys listen and take notes and order Kimberly's book. I'm anxiously awaiting ours to come in the mail so that I can start reading it with Milo and having these conversations. So without further ado, please welcome Kimberly King to the Mom Room Podcast. Okay, so today I'm speaking with Kimberly King, which sounds like a stage name, Kimberly King. So to start, I thought you could tell us about yourself and how you became an author, advocate, educator, and speaker. Certainly. I was a college student at University of Maine, and during my first week of school, I had a sexual assault that involved some drinking. Not a lot of drinking, but I ended up blaming myself, and I called my mom to tell her, you know, what had happened. And back then... Okay, I went, I'm going to date myself here, but I went to college in 1988. You know, my mom didn't even talk to me about sex, about consent, about drinking or any of that. God rest her soul, but we just didn't ever talk about that. So when this happened, I called her and she said, you know, Kimberly, I think you need to come home. I don't want you to report it because then people will, it'll ruin your reputation. Nobody would believe you and and all, all of that. So I just said, I want to stay at school, but I'm going to move into a sorority house. So I moved into a sorority house and met a college professor named Dr. Sandra Karen, and she sort of became my mentor 
she was a human development and sexual abuse prevention person and advocate. And I started volunteering in the field, working at the health center. And then I sort of took my trauma and just shoved it away and started helping other people deal with theirs. So that's the beginning of it. But fast forward to my son had a, I would call it a body boundary violation with another child who was a little bit older than him. And nothing major happened, but the techniques that this child used, the words and the tricks and the bribes and that kind of thing really bothered me. And when he told me, you know, we talked through it quite a bit and I realized that there really wasn't a book out there that was telling parents about like the things that actually can happen to kids. It's not what you think. It's not like the the guy in the van. So that's how it all started. So I wrote the book with my son. And then I got trained as a darkness to light educator. And I also am a crisis counselor for the Rowan Center. So it, I just sort of dove in and I teach kindergarten as well. So my whole thing is trying to make this kid friendly, but also parent friendly so that parents realize that if you do it early and you just calmly get into it, it's not that scary. Yeah. And I was thinking about it because Milo's three and a half. He'll be four in September. We haven't sat him down and had any kind of conversation because when I was looking over our outline and everything that we were going to talk about, I was like, I haven't even talked to Milo about this stuff. And it's almost like life just happens and you get into a routine. And because I remember thinking about this a while back when I did an interview with a forensic psychologist about body autonomy. And I was like, oh my God, but Milo was too young at that point. But now he's not. And I'm like, Renee, it's time. So this is the perfect timing for this conversation. I'm curious, how old was your son when that happened and he came and told you? So he was four. And so the reason why he told me So because of my history, I, you know, there weren't really any books at the time, but because of my history, I just told my kids like, you know, your parts are called, you know, they have certain names. I told them the real names. And then I said, if anything ever happens to you, it doesn't matter like what the circumstance is, but if anybody tries to touch your body parts or your private parts, you come tell me, you won't be in trouble. I set that tone at the beginning. And so even though he was really scared, he just, he came right, right out and told me. And then we started talking more about it. And I didn't think I needed to really teach my four-year-old the techniques of, you know, a pedophile and a grooming situation. But it turned out that the little boy that did this to him was actually a victim of somebody older and was just, he was reusing the phrases on my son. So what are some of the, because I know you speak a lot about difficult topics in parenting, but what are some of those topics? So I focus on sexual abuse prevention as my primary sort of tool to help parents. But I also wrote a book about divorce and how to help kids and parents navigate through a tough divorce or even a collaborative divorce and like a guideline on how to do that. And I realized that those two books that I wrote, I didn't mean for them to be connected, but they are because divorced women and single moms are at like a times 10 risk category for attracting a predator and for their children being abused. So I focus on those two and try to, you know, I want to, I want to get the message out that, Body safety and prevention is really easy the the earlier you start. But if you're a single mom, and really everybody should start, I think, to learn these risk factors. Because if you know where those blind spots are, you can identify them and then you can avoid them. Is there anything that you know of in the education system that talks about stuff like this? I'm in Connecticut and in Connecticut, there are like state mandated body safety and prevention curriculums. And, you know, they're not very specific in all schools, but some schools have actually purchased various curriculums. And my favorite curriculum, which if you have a chance to look at, it's called the Monique Burr Foundation. They have a K through 18 curriculum, which is very kid friendly. It's like all social emotional learning based. And it's not just about you know, body safety and prevention. It's it teaches kids how to em, like empower their voice. So they also apply it to bullying and body image and and all of that. But I think parents get a little 
twisted sometimes because they get confused with what like sex education is versus prevention education. Like in all of the work that I do with children and groups, I never talk about sex. I I talk about body parts, body boundaries, consent, rules, those types of things. But if a child were to ask me like about sex, I, I would be like, well, that's for your mommy and daddy to tell you about. But that's not what I do. Yeah. So, and I think parents get a little confused. And yes, schools do have sex ed, which is great too, because parents, you know, sometimes they need a little help. And I like that schools give parents the option for those those choices. But Mm -hmm. it is available, and Monique Burr is the best that I have found. So obviously, parents like I'm a parent. It's uncomfortable to, and a lot of parents are like unsure of how to bring it up and. So I think when something's uncomfortable or it's difficult, that's why it's easy to skip over it or forget it or, you know what I mean? Like, and also it's not on the forefront of our minds because like, I think a lot about nutrition, like that's something that I care about. So in the day I'm like making sure he's got berries cut up in the fridge. And when it comes to this, I'm not necessarily thinking about it regularly, but why is it so important for parents to have these conversations and is it more than just like a singular conversation is it something that you upkeep and continuously talk about because I think parents think about something like this and they're like okay I got Kimberly's book and we read it once and up on the shelf it goes and that's it like why is it important to like maintain this open dialogue about this topic and I think that's the most important thing is so when you start talking about it early and you probably are doing more than you know without realizing it. So like when your child, if they're four, you've already been through potty training and, you know, they're probably almost old enough to take a bath on their own. Right. So at this point, most parents are starting to do these sort of like consent conversations like, hey, honey, is it OK if mommy shuts the shower a little bit? Do you want me to stay in or by the door? You start to like introduce those choices. So you're probably already doing some of that. When you introduce my book and the topic of body safety, I think you have to teach the basics. And then with my book, it's it's a, there's a lot in the book. So it's divided into little pieces. And I recommend that you maybe read one little segment per week and then you talk about the topic and it should take you a couple of weeks to get through the whole book. But then you wanna check in with your child and say things like, and this is what I always do because it's, it's a little bit indirect but you get them to talk more. I'll say, so how was your day today? Was, was anybody, did anybody at school get in trouble? Did anybody make you feel happy? Did, did anything funny happen? Was it, te- you know, I start asking all these questions and then we, we just sort of check in on our emotions. And that really helps kids to just sort of have the conversation on a daily basis, just checking in on their feelings. Now that the topic grows absolutely with the child. So as your child goes past like eight years old, there are a lot of parents that let their kids have cell phones at eight and nine years old these days now, which I don't recommend, but some parents do. So if you do have your child online or on a cell phone, you have to start having different conversations. So you lay down the basics and you keep touching back to it and you check in. But then we got to get into the social media safety and the online safety and talk about the techniques that happen with online grooming and how scary that can be. So it grows. And then when you're 13, 14, then I'm sure we all start really giving the sex education that our kids need. And then we start talking about more in detail about consent related to sex and consent related to drinking. And and then it just goes on and on, but it's a constant conversation. Okay. So we're going to chat about five strategies for parents. So the first thing that you often talk about is to talk about their feelings. So can you explain what you mean by that and also how parents can start to do that with their own kids? Definitely. So I think it's really important to teach our kids how to identify their feelings on a daily basis and teach kids more extensive vocabulary than just like good and bad or like yes and no. So I use 
red flags and green flags. And what I start to do with my kids in kindergarten even is one real easy way to do something with young kids like four to seven is take a red crayon and then start brainstorming. What are some of the feelings that you have that can make you feel the color red like? And then we start talking about angry. Some kids say sad you know, somebody will say frustrated. And we start just sort of developing categories and developing the words that we can use to explain those feelings that make us feel red and feel hot. And then we'll move to the green flag feelings, which are like, oh, I feel good and happy and comfortable and kind. And we really just start coming up with very descriptive words for how we feel. And then I'll have more kids in my kindergarten class and in the classes that I do write a story about, tell me tell me about one time when you had a red flag feeling and they will write and then we'll talk about it. And then tell me a green flag story and who, you know, who are the people in the story and how do they make you feel and, you know, be very descriptive about it. Because I find that using our words and talking is really great. It's a great strategy, but also connecting that to writing helps kids really connect to their feelings. So journaling is a great way to start. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner, I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. Is there a specific age where kids actually understand? I guess like I try and use words with Milo like, oh, I understand that you're frustrated or like there's certain things. And then in the back of my mind, I'm like, I don't know if he knows what that means. But I guess if you're using them in the proper context, they start to identify like the differences between like angry and frustrated Right. I think absolutely. And, and as a parent, you know, as we introduce those different words and try to teach our kids how to understand and label their emotions, you know, you can bring them back to your 
situation. Like, look, look at my face. What, what kind of emotion do you think mommy's having right now? And, you know, make like an angry face or make a frustrated face. And as you model it and as you use those words in your vocabulary, then your kids just learn them as they repeat, basically. So it's, it's a really good idea to do that. I love that. I was just thinking like watching a show with your child, like pointing out maybe what the different characters are feeling, like that would be a good way. Yeah, that's a great way. And then another thing I, I do a lot with the little kids is like a picture walk with with books that we read. So before we get into any book, not just, you know, like a body safety book, but, you know, noticing the cover and go, hmm, look at these characters on the book. Look at their faces. What do you think they're feeling? What do you think this book is going to be about? And then like go page through page and just notice, you know, hey, does anybody think that this character has had a change of heart or or is he feeling different than he was on the first page? And, you know, you just, you can point these things out to people, to your kids as you go through your day. I, I like, I, in kindergarten, I get the greatest stories from my kids. So, you know, one day I had a little boy come in and he said, boy, daddy was very angry today at the traffic light when somebody cut him off. And I'm like, oh, really? What happened? And he said he gave him the finger. (laughs) I'm like, oh, okay. Well, but I I guess what the point is, is like kids are looking, kids are noticing, and they're, they're watching your emotions. And they're even trying, you know, to sort through your emotions as you go through your day. I don't know. My, my little guys would come up to me and say, mom, you know, are you sad? Do you have a headache? And so to be noticers, I think, is a very helpful strategy. As a kindergarten teacher, do you notice differences between, like there must be a huge range between children who are not familiar with feelings and don't talk about feelings or point them out versus kids who do? Definitely. And you see it with physical like action. So, and, and I, my last kindergarten class, I had 13 boys and three girls. So I saw it magnified there when sometimes, you know, and I think it's maybe just a gender bias thing that develops sometimes with little boys, but they just instantly go to like a push or a hit or a shove or, you know, like they bang their hand on their desk or something. They they get that frustration and that anger out like quickly with a physical movement. And so in kindergarten, we're always like, okay, well, you know what? Before we get to that, which we don't want to get to at all, we don't want to push, we don't want to shove, we don't want to do any of that, we're going to use our words. So tell me how you're feeling and tell Tommy why you got frustrated. And, you know, like we we, we sort of problem solve through those big emotions because they happen. Kids, they react in a physical way sometimes when they don't have the skills to label their emotions. Yeah, for sure. I see it all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's normal, but it's something we have to teach them. The second one is to teach consent. So as adults, when you hear the word consent, we're obviously thinking about like sexual or romantic interactions. So what does consent mean for children? So for that, I'm talking about empowering your child to understand that they have the right to control their body and who touches or kisses or hugs them is up to them. And I like to explain that they have a bubble around their body. So if somebody, and it's their bubble, it's like a little zone where nobody should try to touch, hug, kiss, any of that, unless they ask permission, like, can I have a hug? And so for parents, that can be hard, especially when like, you know, it's the holidays and relatives are visiting and you know, everybody just wants to hug your daughter or whatever. But when you're teaching body safety, body autonomy is a big part of it because you want to empower your kids just on a general level to speak up and say, no, I don't like that. But I'll give you a fist bump, you know, like give an alternative. And then with private parts, in during that age group of like three to eight, we teach that, you know, nobody has the right to touch, look at, tickle or play games with your private parts, period. So like if anybody asks or anybody tells you to do that to their private parts, it's like an automatic red flag and you go and tell a safe adult. One of my biggest pet peeves is people trying to force affection out of a child, like a hug or it drives me nuts. And honestly, growing up, it's not something that I ever thought about. Like 
not once, but now that I'm a parent and I like see it happening and people always ask me like, well, how do you address it in the situation? Because it can be super awkward, especially when it's a family member that you're not really close to. And I say like, you know what, then that moment is just going to be really awkward. Yeah, because, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, and because and, what's the alternative? Like, I'm just going to bite my tongue and like resent this person every time they do it. It's like address it in the moment one time and then you shouldn't have to address it again. Absolutely. I, I agree. And I, I mean, I remember as a kid, my Aunt Lavinia used to come and hug us so tight and she smelled like mothballs. You know, she was <laughs> and like, we all hated her hugs, but our parents made us hug her. And, and so like now I see, I have a, a niece named Pepper, who is the cutest thing in the world, but she does not like hugs and she doesn't mind telling you. So I leave her alone and I've left her alone for months and she'll fist bump me and high five me and all of that. And because I have respected her boundaries consistently when other people have not, now she just comes and says, Auntie Kimmy, can I have a hug? And I'm like, oh, yeah. of course you can have a hug. <laughs> it's so cute. Like if you give children the space to set those rules and boundaries, then if they are huggers and they want to have a hug, they'll ask you. Yeah. And I always find it interesting as adults, we're like, no means no. That's like drilled into our mm-hmm. heads. But then right. we turn around and we don't practice the same thing when it comes to children. We're like, oh, they don't want to hug. Well, too bad. You're too a child. bad we're going to hug you anyway. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, what are we teaching them? Yeah. And that's the, that's the, the biggest thing is like, as soon as a child understands that their body is theirs and they have rights to protect it, then that empowers them in so many ways with bully situations, with arguments, with body boundary violations. They, they know that that power and that right is theirs and that makes them confident. Yeah, to know that when you set a boundary that it will be respected. Yeah, And then think about it. If you're the parent that's not helping support that, then are your kids going to come to you if they have a real serious problem? They might think you won't support them if you don't support them in the basic things like that. So, Yeah, that's true. Okay, so the third thing is no secrets. So can we talk a little bit about that? Definitely. So secrets are a big no-no. And I I like to tell my kids in my class, you know, all the parents I've worked with that the reason why we have to teach our kids that absolutely no secrets are allowed is because they are used in the grooming process against children. So if your child, let's just say your child's on a soccer team and, you know, maybe you run out and do some errands while your kid is at practice and the coach says something like, hey, can you keep a secret? I'm going to give you an extra cookie. Just don't tell your mom. Something as benign as that can be um, a testing secret. It's like somebody who might abuse your child is going to do that test because if your child says, no, I cannot keep secrets, we do not keep secrets in my family, then that is a red flag to that person to like just move on. And then secrets are very confusing to kids. You know, there's like surprises, there's secrets, there's good secrets, there's bad secrets, blah, blah, blah. And I think it's just better to say, okay, we are going to do absolutely no secrets. If anybody asks you to keep a secret, I want you to come tell me. And if anybody says, don't tell your mom, what are you going to do? You're going to tell your mom (laughs) and then explain what a surprise is. So, of course, we have surprises that, okay, I'm having a surprise birthday party for daddy. I, I don't want you to tell daddy right now because we want him to be surprised. But a surprise is different because it comes out in the end and it's not meant to be hidden for very long. It's a surprise. And I have a really great video on YouTube. If you go to YouTube and just type in red flag secrets, there's an animated video that explains all of this and it's a cartoon. So it's very kid friendly and really helps explain the topic. So easy to show, like appropriate for like a four to eight year old. I've never considered the example that you gave about the soccer coach, like testing out little secrets, like I'm going to give you an extra cookie, like to test the kid. I never would have thought of that, but that makes so much sense. Yeah. And then it goes farther too. So like if, if your child keeps that secret, then they'll elevate it to a little bigger secret. And then next thing you know, down the road, there's an inappropriate touch and there's a secret. And and so it's just, that's the really most important thing about secrets is they, they harm you. If you keep them, 
You know, they can harm you. They're not safe. The word grooming is used all the time. And it's one of those words that we hear and we just are like, oh, okay, like pretending like we know what that means because we have an idea of what it means. But if you were to describe or explain to the people listening what grooming means, how would you describe it? I would say it's a series of behaviors that children who abuse children use. And they have a variety of tactics that trick and manipulate children into doing things that they shouldn't do that, that are, you know, very, very dangerous. And the, the process of grooming starts small, like the testing of secrets, but an abuser actually targets a whole family because they need to know that you're a good target. So if your child and your family is very well versed in body safety and prevention. And if the adults in the family have learned the risks and the facts and have really studied some of the things that grooming are, like some of the tricks that people use and some of these red flags that you can pull, then you are way more protected than if you don't have this information. So grooming can... It, it, it's a very complicated series of behaviors and it can be as benign as like somebody offering your child a cookie and asking them to keep a secret. But it can also be like showering your child with gifts. It can be offering like free guitar lessons. It can be making your kid feel like he's the best he's the best player on the baseball team. It's like, it can be trying to like form a relationship and call you a friend when kids are not supposed to be friends with adults and adults should have adult friends. On my Tough Topics Mom Instagram, I have a link to a seven red flags of grooming behaviors where I kind of spell out particular things that most parents have encountered and if you if you even just take a real quick look at that article and just have that in the back of your mind, the whole thing with grooming, it can happen in person. It happens with the people that we already know and trust because 90% of people that abuse children are already in the group of people that you already know right now. I know that statistic. It's crazy. I that's one that's scary and to beat that statistic, you have to be aware, you have to empower your kids, and your kids have to know that no matter what, they can tell you. And we're bombarded with media and news, not about the 90% that are already in your circle that are like trusted friends or relatives, whatever. Like you were saying, we're like, oh, the guy in the van, you know? And it's like, no, that's not necessarily, I mean... Like, sure, sure, look out for him, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, you like, still have to do stranger danger. That's that's yeah. absolutely real and important. But, you know, you even have to prepare your kids for doctor visits because I'm sure you saw the... You've heard about the Larry Nassar oh, gymnastics God, yeah. disaster. So, and there is, you know, doctors have this power position and they are pillars of the community. Usually, you know, they have this trust that you just sort of give them. And so in the book... You know, I teach about doctor visits and I say in the book, like, it's really important that if you're going for an exam, you want to be in the room with your child and the doctor needs to ask consent to check their eyes, to check their blood pressure, to take their temperature. And then when it gets to the private part exam, which you don't really need at every wellness exam, <laughs> I have to say, but like our doctor, he would, at, at that point in the exam, he would say, okay, I would like to quickly examine your private parts. Do I have your permission? And then if my child said yes, then he would ask me as the adult if, he, if I gave permission. And the thing about private parts is that, and I teach this, this is really important, that there has to be an adult in the room to give permission for for that. Because a kid can't consent to anybody touching their private parts. That's just not okay. So the adult has to be in the room. And then when the, when the kids get to be like 13, 12, 13, 14, and they get uncomfortable with you being in the room, then you've got to be like, okay, well, I'm going to stand outside the door. The doctor will be with you, and there's going to be a nurse so that there's never an opportunity for anything shady to happen. Yeah, my husband's a urologist. We always talk about that, like how like 
you know, you have a nurse in the room, like just in case for both people's protection at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, as a teacher, you know, there are potty accidents all day long in kindergarten, but I will never go into a bathroom with just me because <laughs> just to protect me. So I will take my assistant and me and the child and we will deal with the bathroom problem because it's it's a the rule of two. Everyone is just safer when there are all when there are two adults present. Because like you were saying, like the statistic is 90 percent, you know, of these cases are people that are already in your circle. If you're a parent and you're like, oh, I just feel like off about, you know, this situation. I don't like, you know, my kid. Maybe it's a coach. Maybe it's, you know, whoever. It's someone in the neighborhood. How do you address that with your child? So whenever a parent has a gut feeling about somebody, I say, listen to it, first of all, because usually you're right. You're usually right on that. Your gut doesn't lie to you. But I would, like, if I was suspicious of a a child in the neighborhood, you know, I would make sure that my child was always observable and never alone with that child. Because abuse can only happen in isolation, and it can only happen with an opportunity where you and where that child and that person are alone. So if you take those two things away, it can't happen. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Lil Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400-plus contaminants, including heavy metals, so you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding, and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon Plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment, and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. And the thing is like, God forbid, if something were to happen to your child, you would hope so much that they would come to you and tell you. I think about like, you know, how many times does this happen where the child feels like they can't tell a parent? It happens all the time. And, you know, that's why teaching this stuff and going back to it constantly and reminding them that like, whatever happens with this, it's not your fault. I want you to tell I'm here to help and protect you. But it is hard. And it's especially hard and confusing if the abuse is happening with somebody that they love. Mm 
because, you know, then they feel guilty. They feel like they might get the person into trouble. And people, especially adults that are uh, like, you know, stepdads or uh, an uncle or people that are actually abusing a family member, they can use these very manipulative techniques to silence their victims. Like if you tell, you're going to ruin our family. Or if you tell, you know, you're never going to see your sister again. Or if you tell, I'm going to hurt you. Like they can say terrible, scary things. And in our book, we say like, you know, if you're about to tell, somebody might threaten you because they don't want to get in trouble and they want to, they don't want to get caught. But telling is really important because then it stops that person from hurting anybody else and it actually helps that person get the help that they need. Yeah, it's like anything, eh? And then they become teenagers and it's like you want to make sure if they're you know, drunk at a party, like underage drinking that they call you. It's like you want to be that person that they feel like they can call. Otherwise, you know, it'll end up 10 times worse. Absolutely. And if and if your kids trust you, like if you've been showing up to help them with the challenges that they have from five till 13, you know, kids today with the cell phones, they make a lot of mistakes. And if your child happens to make a mistake and like perhaps, I don't know, sends an inappropriate picture to somebody and then that person sends it to 20 people, you know, those are the things where you want, you need an adult. So you want them to say, mom, oh my God, I made a huge mistake. I need your help. Instead of, oh my God, mom is going to kill me. You know, like this stuff is, this is, it's hard to be a teenager right now. And adults have to engage and, and like, you know, that's what you want. You want, a helpful, trusting relationship at the end of the day. Let's talk a little bit about screening childcare providers. So what is your advice for that? So first of all, don't advertise on Facebook that you need a babysitter because I've seen that a lot and I'm like, oh my gosh. So if you're talking about babysitters, you know, you have to be very careful. We had a we had an issue with a babysitter letting our kids swim in a pool unattended. So you don't know what you're going to get. And I suggest, okay, for babysitters, you do a trial run first with you home with the kids and you watch how the babysitter interacts with your children. If that looks okay and the kids like the babysitter, then you start really checking references. Call other parents that have had that babysitter. On like care.com, you know, there are some babysitters that get CPR certified and they get FBI background checked and all of that, but that doesn't catch everything. So I think with babysitters, empowering the kids to have these strategies and then monitoring the babysitter for the first, you know, few opportunities and then leave your kids with a babysitter for like a short half hour period and then drop back in and see how things are going. That's what I recommend because you want to make sure that things are going smoothly, the kids are happy. And then after you want to check in with the babysitter, check in with the kids. How did it go? Everything okay? Any problems? Any red flags? And I also recommend to tell that babysitter, guess what? We are a body safe family. So my kids are very well versed on body safety, prevention. They know the private part rules. And here are our rules. And put it on the fridge, you know, put the sexual abuse prevention books all over the house. That way that babysitter knows you're watching. That is incredible. First of all, we don't have a babysitter, but if we were to look for one, I don't think I would have ever thought about having them come over. Obviously they would come over to like meet everybody if we didn't know who they were, but like to have them come over for an afternoon while you're home, that's such a good idea. And oh my God, explaining the rules I love this. And I don't think people would do that because, again, I think people would be like, oh, that's going to be uncomfortable. But what's <laughs> right, the alternative? But, right. So who cares? I mean, if you overwhelm the babysitter with your like rules, then bye. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, see you. And, you know, babysitters, they can they can, you know mean no harm but like if your rule is you know babysitters don't give our kids baths and then that babysitter gives them a bath just because they I don't know they got dirty well they've broken the rule so you know there are there should be real serious boundaries for babysitters and then for child care facilities and sleepaway camps and that kind of thing you know first of all you want to make sure they're 
they're certified and registered with the state because they do have some requirements. And then you can ask, do you have any sexual abuse prevention training that you do for your school? And if so, what is it? And then if the topic is on their radar, you can say, do you have like a sexual abuse prevention policy I can see that, you know, all of your employees have to follow because I just like to see how you handle it and, and like ask those questions and be real specific because if you don't like your answers, you just need to go look somewhere else. And I, it was funny. I interviewed a child care, like a, a daycare for my kids ages ago. And I asked them, you know, are you aware of the grooming process and like, you know, what that looks like because of what you all do when you're with children? And the woman, the director answered me that, you know, oh, we make sure that the kids have, you know, their hands washed and, you know, if their hair is messy, we'll tighten. <laughs> grooming. And like, yeah. And I was like, no, no, no. So then, you know, it's not even on their radar. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. It's funny. Uh, okay. Yeah. How can parents recognize online risks? And I guess this is for kids who are online. Okay. It's such a huge topic. So if, if your kids have a cell phone, then you want to be, and depending on their age, you want to be very like very aware of the apps. What can happen on these apps like Instagram and Snapchat are probably the most talked about now because pretty much anybody, depending on your setting, can message or snap your child. So send a little message to your child. And then these apps have within them locator. And I don't know if you've ever seen a Snapchat app like live and and like on a phone. My son has Snapchat. He's 17. And when you, you can actually pull up a map and see exactly where every kid that you follow or are friends with is all over the world <laughs> to a pinpoint. So inappropriate things can come through direct messages and then predators can find locations if the locations are on. And then, you know, there, there's a couple of really great tools for parents to use Bark technologies. If I had a eight to 15 year old, I would put Bark on all of my devices. Bark is this really cool tool for parents where it tracks the inappropriate conversations that might come into the phone, prevents them from coming in, prevents pictures from going out and coming in, and notifies the parents with a little text or an email that like something inappropriate has been discuss between your child and a friend or a stranger and it lets you know right away so that you can go and say, hey, um, I saw that your friend Tommy was talking about being depressed. Like it, it doesn't, it's not just body safety. It really covers a lot of mental health topics, bullying, body safety, inappropriate content, all of that. So it's a great tool. You know, installing software for the computers that you have in your house and then checking histories and just monitoring those devices is really important. And for kids under the age of 10, I think that any type of online stuff they do, they should do in front of you. So if they're at the table and they want to, you know, go look at a YouTube video, you have to be with them because even when you put very intense filters on your computers and on your phones, things can slip through. It even happens at school. You know, sc most schools have the, you know, great firewalls and software to protect kids from this type of stuff. My son was on, I think he was searching for an art project and he Googled contortionism and it, it was not an art thing that came up. <laughs> <laughs> and the teacher was like, oh my God, and how'd that get through? And then Al, my son was like, oh, and he looked away. But it's like, you just have to be present and, and on top of it. And then, you know, you can also get into pornographic material. You definitely don't want your kids bumping into some of these horrible images and content because young children, when they see inappropriate videos or content, they can they can actually like watch it and then recreate some of it some of the gestures at school and then you're like what are you doing like where'd you get that from and oh a video I watched on you know YouTube or whatever so it's really scary one of the best accounts for parents I think if they want to learn about how to protect their kids from you know pornography and that type of 
stuff is defendyoungminds.org. They have some really great content. So it's defendyoungminds.org. It blows my mind. I obviously use TikTok a lot and I can try and put up a TikTok where I'm holding up like a pair of underwear, like postpartum underwear, like talking about that. And TikTok will flag it and like give me a warning and take it down. And I'm like, (laughs) of all the things that I see on TikTok, just scrolling, and you're going to take down and give me a warning because (laughs) I'm holding a pair of underwear. Like I'm not even wearing them. Like, oh my God. So yeah, we can't leave it up to the people running these apps. That's for sure. That's for sure. And you know, one other thing I think parents miss is when you post pictures of your children on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and you tag, when you tag certain words that can attract some sketchy folks. Like if you use tags like naked baby or bath time. Those are some of the hashtags that pedophiles follow. And there's a big list of hashtags that those folks use to find content that they can screenshot and use and share with other people. It's so weird because it's such a part of our lives, social media. But like the more and more I learn about it and just hear about certain things, like there's some TikTok accounts that have like 15 million followers and the whole account is like just someone's toddler. Like I do share Milo on my social media, mostly Instagram, but I think about it, the more and more I think about it and like read about it and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I kind of just want to live in a hole underground. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's funny too, because so my kids are older now. My daughter is 25, but you know, if I ever post a picture of her without asking her, she will just tell me to take it down. She, she doesn't want me doing that. And so that's, you know, that's okay. But when, when you have little babies and they're so cute and you want to share with the world how adorable they are, you just have to be aware that, you know, they could end up in the wrong hands. Yeah, it's just a lot to think about. But this was a super informative episode. So I hope people took notes. To end, I thought you could tell us where people can find you online and where can they find your books Sure. So I'm online. My website is KimberlyKingBooks.com and you can order books directly from me there. If you order there, I send a little red flag to go with the book. So that's fun. It's not like, it's just like a homemade red flag, but it's, it's fun just to use. It's also available on Amazon and I am on Tough Topics Mom on Instagram where you can go on my link tree and I have some links to my online classes. So I have an online class for parents called Simply Save Kids Parenting Class. And then I have a class for kids called Body Boss Boot Camp. And that's really cool. It's eight days, eight minutes, eight safety skills for kids. And it's me and my kindergarten persona just being light and silly. (laughs) I love that. Okay, well, I'm going to put links to everything that you mentioned in the episode notes so that people can find it quickly. And yeah, it was really nice to chat with you. And thank you for sharing all this information with us. You too. Thank you so much. 